0: Listening to the Miracle Word Podcast, we believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. You saw it in in the title and probably even in social media that I wanted to talk today about um, how to stay on fire for God. You know, one of the things that it's important to remember is that the Bible teaches that in the last days, uh, many will grow cold, right? Some will fall away from the faith. Jesus prophesied that and Paul prophesied that. So we understand that there will be a falling away, uh, in the final moments of time. No question. Uh, the technical term for that, apostasy, people leaving the faith. And we're already seeing it happen. But uh, we've made up our minds. We're not going to be those people. We're going to be the victory tribe. We're the ones that are the remnant. We'll never grow cold. But I I also want you to understand that that doesn't happen by accident. You don't stay on fire for God by accident. And so today I want to cover Um, a few things that you've got to answer in your own life. If you're going to stay on fire for the rest of your life, if you're going to be extremely dedicated to the kingdom and uh, be one of those that's considered in the remnant that will not fall away. There's some questions that need to be answered for every person individually. I can't answer them for you. Nobody can. You have to answer them for yourself. And so as you're jumping on, Take a minute to share this broadcast today. Let's get the word out to people and uh, let them hear the word of God. So, I'm going to take you through a few questions that you have to answer personally if you're going to stay on fire for God. And I know there's people that watch. They're like, well, "What does it even mean? What does that mean? On fire for God?" Years ago, I did videos um, for YouTube, and uh, and and I understand now that there's just there's spiritual uh, phrases and jargon that we can use that, that might, it might actually confuse some people. I did a video one time, morning, Chad. Hey, Tim. I I remember I did a video one time that, uh, that said three signs that you're spiritually dead. And of course, you know, if you grew up in the Pentecostal movement at all, charismatic movement, you've probably been in, it's like, man, the the church is dead, is dead in here today. Or, you know, these people, you know, stir up your dead flesh or whatever it might be, you know. And so, you know, you, you've heard of, there's dead churches. And what we mean by that usually is that there's no moving of the spirit or there's a lack of the freedom of the flow of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and somebody that was watching those videos pointed out to me years ago, they were like, if you're dead, then you're not even saved. And of course, they were referring to the fact that the Bible calls those that are unsaved, uh, dead in trespasses and in sins. And of course we understand that, that you're either spiritually dead or you're spiritually alive. And, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't focusing on that point in the video. I was talking more about the Pentecostal, uh, method of talking about, man, it's dead in here. This church is dead. You need to have a, a live church, you know? So I get that. So people are like, thank you very much. So people are like, you know, what does it mean to be on fire for God? Well, let's break that down first. What does it mean to be on fire for God? Well, number one, I would say the first thing that we need to say that that defines being on fire for God is that you're going to be somebody who is uh, constantly uh, dedicated to the kingdom, that you're producing fruit in the kingdom, somebody that is a, a no compromise person in the kingdom, right? We're talking about being on fire. You're a no compromise person, a dedicated person, a fruit producing person, somebody that is, uh, truly, uh, valuing the, the presence of God, the word of God, the move of God. And, uh, we're not going to be those that are, um, you know, falling into complacency. We're not going to be those that are, as the Bible says, growing cold. I don't, not only do I not want to be cold, I don't want to be lukewarm I don't want to be lukewarm like Jesus found the church in the book of Revelation chapter three. He said, you're neither hot nor cold. And because you're lukewarm, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I don't, not only do I not want to be cold, I don't want to be lukewarm. So I don't even want to begin to grow cold, right? And so we're talking about that today. I, I don't want to grow cold. I don't want to be lukewarm. I want to be on fire for God. I want to be hot, As Jesus said, you're neither hot nor cold. I want to be on the hot side, not cold or lukewarm. So uh, we got to answer these questions. And Brian said in the comments, crucify compromise. Yeah, we're not, we have no desire to compromise with this world system, with the antichrist agenda. We got no desire to do any of that. We want to stay true to God's word, true to his spirit and see fruit production in the kingdom. That's what God's looking for. Christians who will produce fruit on a consistent basis. In fact, if you read, um, morning, Dylan, Lynn, Ann, Paula, um, if you read the book of John, the gospel of John chapter 15, you'll know that Jesus said that he's the true vine and we're the branches, right? And the father is the vine dresser or one translation calls him the husbandman. And what he does is he inspects the branches at all times to see if they're producing fruit. And the Bible says if they are producing fruit, then the father will prune them so that they'll produce even more fruit. But if they're not uh, producing fruit, the Bible says that God will cut them off from the vine and throw them into a pile to be burned. So that shows us God is expecting fruit production from his children, from his people. Morning, Ted. And so I want to deal with that today. How do we make sure that we are those that are never cut off, that are always producing fruit, that are in that category that Jesus called hot, right? I want to be in the hot category, not the lukewarm or the or the or even the cold category. So let's look at it from the word of God. And I really want to give you four questions today to ask yourself at all times, ask yourself these four questions and see where you're at. I was talking one time to an older minister and uh, asked him to give me advice as a younger minister. And he said, one of the things that you've got to do, he said, you've got to have a pulse, keep a pulse on your spiritual life. And he explained it. He said, "You need to always know where you're at spiritually. Have you been slacking off in your Bible reading, your study? Have you been slacking off in prayer? Have you been slacking off in, you know, uh, your evangelism or whatever it might be in your life? Look at those spiritual disciplines and ask yourself, where am I today spiritually? In fact, that would be something good to put in the comments as we start today. Where am I spiritually? Where am I spiritually?" You got to keep your finger on the pulse of that question. Where am I spiritually? And so he said, since he's pastored his church and he's been pastoring for probably close to 50 years, he, they have, um, Saturday night prayer every Saturday night. He said, do you know, in 40 some years of pastoring my church, he said, I have only missed Saturday night prayer twice in 40 some years. Of pastoring his church. He's only missed the Saturday night prayer service two times. He said, once because he said, I think I was gone. He said, the other time it's because we had a, a church member that was in the hospital with an emergency and I had to go to the hospital to see our church member. But those were the only times he's ever missed Saturday night prayer. He said, so there is a dedication uh, to what you're doing in the kingdom. And you got to keep your finger on the pulse of where you are spiritually. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, answering these questions that will keep us in a place of spiritual fire where we're on fire for God. We're hot, not cold, not lukewarm, dedicated. And we made up our mind. We're never going to fall away. Right. And so I'm going to give you these. Good morning, Luenda. And good morning to all of the Victory Tribe. I love you guys a lot. Um, Number one, here's the first question. Let's put this in the comments today. Ask yourself this on a consistent basis. And, and, And daily's fine. Weekly's fine. Number one, where is my love? That's the first question we want to ask. Where is my love? And you have to ask yourself that question. Because... When you understand what the word of God teaches, then you understand that your love drives everything else about your life. Your love drives. It's the driving force behind everything else in your life. Amen. And so you have to ask yourself, where is my love focused? Where is my love directed? You know, one of the interesting things that I'm seeing a lot, and I, listen, I'm not not harping on it or hammering it. I get the point, right? But we hear a lot currently about self-love, right? Self-care, self-love and self-care. I'm not against self-care or self-love. I think that if you understand that your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God wants you to not only be in health, but to be in peace, to be in joy. There's nothing wrong with resting. There's nothing wrong with vacationing. There's nothing wrong with, you know, there's people that are, you know, they may enjoy pampering themselves, whatever. That's nothing wrong with that. But one of the things that the Bible teaches against, and I wouldn't even put this in the same category. I just don't want you to be confused when I'm talking about self-love, uh, is loving yourself more than you love God. That's when you have to be very aware that's a sign of the last days that the Bible, Paul prophesied this. He said in the last days, men and women would be lovers of themselves and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So that's a Bible prophecy that people in the last days would be, uh, lovers of pleasure, lovers of themselves rather than lovers of God. So I'm not, referring to self-care or self-love. I'm referring to when people have turned their love away from the Lord and they focus more on themselves than they do on God, his kingdom, or his principles. And so, uh, like an example of that would be, you know, uh, uh, there's people that will skip church and say, hey, you know, we don't go to church, you know, in the summertime, you know, we spend time with our family at the lake and, you know, we're out on the lake in the boat and, uh, on Sundays, that's where we are. We kind of go away, and you know we'll be back in the fall. We'll start coming back to church in the fall. Well, you've now refused. I'm not going to gather. I'm not going to do what the Bible says and be in the house of the Lord. I'm not going to follow the example of the early church and the teaching of the apostles. I'm not going to do what the Bible commands in Hebrews 10 and gather all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Why? Well, I, I would prefer. I would prefer to just. You know, we need to, you know, and then what ends up happening, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, right? Lovers of ourselves. And so we have to ask ourselves, where is our love? Um, I'm going once again to a scripture that I read so often in this broadcast and in our ministry that it'll probably end up some point must be considered (laughs) the theme scripture. And I know our, our theme is Psalm 107 and verse 20, but it feels like this is the theme as we read it so much but it's because it's so crucial. This is Jesus teaching in the New Testament. And it's again, John 14, 21. I think we even referenced it again yesterday, but I'm I'm referencing it again today to get it into your spirit. So you never forget this passage. Um, John 14, 21, Jesus speaking, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and I will manifest myself to him. So look at what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying the, the truest picture of your love. Anyone can say they love God. Anybody they they can say that they love the Lord and say they're on fire, but talk is cheap. Jesus said, the truest picture that you love me is that you have my commandments and you obey them. You have my commandments and you keep them. So Jesus is saying, people that do not keep his commandments are proving they don't love him because the way that people show they love him is by obeying his word. Hallelujah. That's right, Luenda. She put it in the comments, love Is an action, and I totally wholeheartedly agree with that sentiment. Love is an action. You've heard me on the broadcast before reference the five love languages by Gary Chapman, and he's broken it down to understanding even the psychology of people that there are five ways that people could feel loved, and there are five ways that people show love. They're the same five ways, but notice that all five are some sort of an action. Even with God, did you notice? The Bible says, and God so loved the world that he gave. Even God's showing of love was an action. Notice what else he did. The Bible says, and he gave gifts unto men. So we've got the ministry gifts. That's a sign of God's love. We've got the gifts of the spirit, sign of God's love. We've got Jesus Christ sent to the earth, sign of God's love. Because love is an action. Love is an action. So when Jesus is reinforcing that again here in John 14, he's saying, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What did he say to Peter? Really interesting. He said, Peter, do you love me? Of course I love you. He said, then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, feed my lambs. Notice three times. And gave him an instruction to take action every time he asked the question. Do you love me? Of course I do. Then feed my sheep. Do you love me? Of course I do. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Love is always tied to an action. I want you to put it in the comments. Love is always tied to an action. How can you even, how could you even show love in a vacuum? That's, that's what I don't understand, that people seem to like, say, well, love's not always an action. It's a feeling. It's not just a feeling. How, could, how, how do we even know the love exists in a vacuum? We, we, we wouldn't be able to see it. We wouldn't even be able to know love is there. That's the same thing James is pointing out about faith. Faith without works is dead being alone. How would you even know someone had faith if they didn't take actions of faith, Right? Same with love, same with love, is that uh, no one would even know love was there, wouldn't even know it existed unless an action was taken. And so the first question, morning, Tori, first question you have to ask yourself if you're going to stay on fire for God is where is my love? Do my actions prove a love for Christ, a love for the kingdom, a love for God or do my actions like prophecy says will take place prove a love for me and a love for pleasure rather than a love for God this is a checklist today this will help you immensely man that if you if you just look at that and say all right i'm going to examine my actions and i know this this is where again and i'm so i'm glad to see so many of you on today it takes maturity in the faith to actually ask these questions because Nobody likes to be introspective. I mean, nobody wants to have to be introspective. It can be tense to look at yourself and realize I'm doing things wrong. You know, it's like nobody wants to feel that way. Like I'm, I'm doing things wrong. I'm not, I'm not doing it the right way. I need to make a change, but mature, uh, a mature Christian will do that. In fact, the Bible says that wise people love correction and wise people seek out correction. And so that's, that's key. And so when we're looking at this, we get introspective and say, well, are my actions showing my love for God, my love for Christ, my love for the kingdom, or are my actions rather showing a love for me and showing a love for pleasure? Because that's one of the main things that, that, that Paul prophesied would come in the last days. And we're seeing it happen. We're seeing it happen. Amy, uh, just, uh, in the comments moments ago, she wrote, you'll see that often She said, people take breaks from God. Well, my wife and I have talked about that. People take breaks from God. And she said, I teach year round. Of course, even with their study, Bible studies. Uh, She's talking about Bible studies that people take breaks from studying the Bible. Don't take a break. Go all year round. Every day we should be ingesting the mighty word of God. Every day we should be reading the scripture. So that really moves us to question number two that we have to ask ourselves. Question number two, if we're going to stay on fire, if we're going to stay on fire, we have to ask ourselves question number two. And question number two is this, where is my dedication? Where is my dedication? So first, we've asked ourselves, where is my love? But secondly, we've got to ask ourselves, where is my dedication. You say, well, what what do you mean by that? Well, Christians are expected to be dedicated to the kingdom. And let me break that down for a minute. You know, we are called disciples, right? We are disciples of Christ. In fact, that was Jesus' instruction to his apostles, uh, go into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations, right? And so uh, the second question, where's my dedication? You've got to recognize right off the bat that I am a disciple of Christ. So what is a disciple of Christ? Simply put, a disciple is someone who mimics the actions of their master, A disciple is someone who emulates the disciplines of their master. That's probably the best way to say it. A disciple is someone who emulates the disciplines of their master. Notice that that word disciple and discipline are very close in nature. Why is that? Because a disciple is following the teachings of a master and those teachings produce disciplines in that disciple. Right? So you think, you think about it this way. I was, when I was writing the book, I think it's when I was writing the book on fasting, but it could have been further faster everything's run together for me at this point. Um, I told the story about, um, and maybe you've seen these movies on Netflix. There's, there was a man who lived in China whose name was Ip Man and they called him master Ip. He developed a certain style of Kung Fu. And it was the style of Kung Fu that Bruce Lee practiced that made him very famous. But many people don't, lots of people know the name Bruce Lee, but almost no one knows the name Ip Man. But Ip Man was the one who trained Bruce Lee in that style or or that discipline of Kung Fu that made him so great. But when, when Ip Man was a young man, he was very arrogant in China. He thought he was the best, he thought he could not be beaten and so a friend at school told him, um, my, my dad has a friend staying at the house who claims to be a Kung Fu master. And he was like, ain't no way he's better than me. And this is back when he was still in school. He said, I'm going to come to your house today and challenge him. And so a master, and he wasn't a master at that time, but Ip went to his friend's house that afternoon and saw the man that was there and he immediately challenged him to uh, like a sparring match for, for Kung Fu. And so the man didn't want to do it, but he finally relented because Ip was so uh, insistent upon it because he, he thought he was so great. And so Ip he challenged him and he said, the man quickly beat him, quickly beat him. And then he said, it must be a fluke, let's do it again. And then the man quickly beat him again. And he couldn't understand it, he was so embarrassed He was so embarrassed, Uh, he went back to school, he said, I didn't even want to admit that I knew Kung Fu after this. He said, the man beat me so quickly and so deftly. And he said, "Um, then I found out when I studied who this man was, he said, I found out later, the man who beat me was my master's master. Think about that. He was my master's master. And it made total sense. The man was a uh, a master teaching masters, and so from that point on, uh, Ip actually dedicated himself in humility to learning the disciplines of this master. Same way that uh, the sa- the same way that uh, Bruce Lee dedicated himself to learning what Master Ip had to teach. The the master teaches disciplines to the disciple, and the disciple then flourishes because he has put into practice the disciplines of the master. And that's the same in discipleship in the kingdom. You can't be a disciple of Christ without taking those disciplines into your life. So when we ask the second question, where's my dedication? What we're really asking is what disciplines do I have in place that define me as a disciple of Christ? You know, if you, some people, they hear you talk like this and they say, that sounds like works to me, brother. No, we're not talking about a works-based salvation, which is heretical. We're talking about once you're saved, God didn't just call you to be a convert. God called you to be a disciple of Christ, which means that you've taken upon yourself the disciplines of your master, Jesus Christ. That's what the apostles taught. The apostles' doctrine in the early church was teaching the the converts, the Christians, to be like Jesus. And what Jesus had taught them, they were teaching the early church. And the Bible says in Acts chapter two, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine. And so you ask yourself, where is my dedication? And the answer to that is, what things uh, are expected of me in the kingdom of God? What things should I be doing in the kingdom of God. Well, we could break a few of those down very easily, right? Um, we should be reading God's word on a daily basis. That's, that's if you want to put them as a sub, a sub list, A. A. I should be reading God's word on a daily basis. There's no question about this one. We should be into his word constantly. We should be going through the word constantly. If you're not a part of Bible study made simple, man, This is one of the best things, if not the very best thing that we've ever released through Miracle Word University. And I think it is the best thing we've ever released. We have over 300 students right now that are participating inside Bible study made simple, where we're teaching people how to study scripture properly so that you can rightly interpret, rightly divide the word of God. You'll never be lost. You'll never wonder like, what does that mean? It teaches you how to properly study scripture right now. We're in the middle of Of a deep dive on the book of Galatians and every Monday new videos are being released where we're going through the book of Galatians verse by verse together. If that sounds like something you'd be interested in and it only costs $15 a month, then you need to go sign up for the fall because we're reopening this course again in the fall in October. And if you want to be notified when we do, because it stays open for a very short period of time, go to bible.miracleword.com. Bible dot And if Tiffany's on, she can put that in the comments so that you can all have the link, but sign up for the fall because we're reopening the course and we'd love to have you in there. It's going to be all new content in the fall. And so you don't want to miss it, but we should be studying the word of God on a daily basis, every day, ingesting, ingesting, ingesting. I could go on a whole broadcast of what the word of God does for you, as you put it into your spirit, I don't have the time. Maybe that'll be another broadcast, but every day in the word. Number two, thank you, Amy. Uh, every day we should be praying, praying the disciples of Christ pray. We take our, our, our uh, example from Jesus. He was a man of prayer. He would wake up early in the morning, go into the wilderness. He'd separate himself and he would pray. Now, now understand this you know, B is pray every day. But isn't it interesting to you that of all the things Jesus did in his life and his ministry, of all the things that his disciples watched him do from prophecy to miracles to, I mean, everything, everything. Isn't it interesting that the only thing they ever asked him to teach them, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They must have understood that all of the things coming out of Jesus' life were coming out because of the origin of his power, which was prayer. And the Bible teaches that even when they could not do mighty works, though he'd empowered them to do it, though he had commissioned them to do it, like in Mark 9, and the Bible says they couldn't even cast the demon out of that young boy, what did Jesus respond? This kind does not come out except by prayer. That's what he told them, Mark 9, 29. This kind of demon does not come out except by prayer. What he was telling them was, you're not praying like you should be. You're not praying like you should be. And so that was their their lack of power stemming from their lack of prayer. That's why they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They understood that everything that flowed out of Jesus' ministry flowed from his prayer life. So as disciples in our dedication, we should not only be reading the word of God every day, we should be praying every day, praying every day. You could pray in your known language and you can pray in the spirit. You can pray in your heavenly language. Amen. Every single day. What other dedications should be in place? Well, C, we should be attending church faithfully. We should be attending church faithfully. Every time the doors are open, we should be there supporting what God's doing, receiving from the man of God, because he gave gifts unto men, which is in the form of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And when the doors of the church are open, we should be in church receiving from the man of God that's been given to us from Jesus Christ. Faithful church attendance. It's not optional. We need to be in the house of God. Did you know the Bible says in the early church, they were in the temple daily at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour, which is about three o'clock in the afternoon. Three o'clock in the afternoon, they'd meet at the temple and they'd pray for an hour. Why? They were not going to forsake the assembling of themselves together. They came to the house of God. They prayed. They were in the word. They were in the apostle's doctrine. So A, we need to read the word. B, we need to pray on a daily basis. C, we need to be in the church uh, in the house of God as often as possible. D, we need to be givers. We need to be givers. The early church, they were givers. The Bible says they had all things in common. Did you know that the Bible says that there were no needs in the early church? There was no lack. Why was that? Because the Bible says, if there was a need or a lack, then other believers who had excess, would even sell some of their possessions and meet the needs. They were givers. Paul was receiving offerings from some Christians to bless other Christians. They were givers in the early church. They were givers. They were uh, generous givers. And Paul continued to encourage that. Peter continued to encourage that. They understood that we have to be generous givers as disciples of Christ. And so D, we've gotta be generous givers. We've got to be people who are tied to generosity, tied to blessing others. We bless the poor. We give to the the kingdom of God, the work of God, the house of God. I mean, I've not stopped any area of my giving. Let me tell you, as personally, what I do as a minister is I tithe faithfully. Number one, I give offerings above my tithe, which is 10%, above and beyond, far beyond to our church and to other ministries. Number three, I bless the poor every single day. We have it set up through Dr. Lester Sumrall's organization to where we're blessing the poor every single day, feeding people that cannot afford to eat. We're doing it every day. But on top of that, number four, the fourth way that I've made myself uh, uh, aware that I should be giving is that I bless the men of God that have impacted my life. So I don't just tithe. I don't just give offerings, I don't just bless the poor, but I also personally have chosen to bless the men of God that have impacted my life. I bless my pastor financially. I bless other men of God that, are, that have, I've been blessed by their teaching, by their impartation, I bless them. I do something to bless my father and mother every month. Why? Not just because they're my parents, they are, my father is my spiritual father, And so I sow even into his life. Why? Because I understand the principle that I am giving. In fact, it's a biblical principle. The Bible says that as those who share the word of God with you, as they sow it into you, that you should minister back to them natural things. That's Paul's teaching. Minister back to them natural things. Same in Galatians chapter six, that we should be blessing those that are ministering to us from the word of God. So I do it. I make sure I'm not just tithing. I'm not just giving. I'm not just blessing the poor, but I'm blessing those men of God that have blessed me by teaching, by impartation, by wisdom, by advice. Amen. It's, it's a discipline. It is a discipline. And then number, uh, what we'll call E E is we should be engaged in full-time evangelism as believers. As Paul told Timothy, who was a pastor He said, do the work of an evangelist, do the work of an evangelist. And so E, we need to be engaged in lifelong evangelism as a disciple of Christ, as a disciple of Christ, lifelong evangelism. We should never stop. We got to win people to Jesus before it's too late telling people the good news about Christ, that he's not dead. He's alive. He's coming soon. Jesus is coming back soon. These are disciplines that are built into our discipleship, uh, to the fact that we are followers of Christ. Amen. We are followers of Christ and we will make these, these five things should be happening in the life of every single believer, every single believer without question, every single believer. So you have to ask yourself, where is my dedication? Am I going to choose myself or my pleasure over reading the word of God? Am I going to choose myself or my pleasure over a prayer? Am I going to choose myself or pleasure over church attendance or giving? Am I going to eat my seed? Am I going to consume it upon my own lusts? Or did he give seed to the sower so that they can sow their seed, right? Am I going to choose myself or my pleasure over evangelism, talking to other people about Jesus, asking God to give us souls in these last moments of time? No. No. No, we're going to put God first and our dedication, our disciplines are going to be in place. It's a picture that I'll never grow cold. Let me just say something. You're going to have a hard time growing cold if you are praying every day, reading the word every day, in church every time the doors are open, giving like God's led you to give and winning people to Jesus. I would, now this is my opinion, but I would personally say it is impossible to grow cold and fall away if you've got those five things in place. As we're asking the question, where's my dedication? It's question number two. I would say, and you may agree, if you agree, throw a thumbs up in the comments. Uh, You may disagree. You may think, hey, people can fall away anyway. I personally think it's impossible to fall away from the faith if you're praying every day, if you're reading the word of God every day, if you're giving, if you're attending church faithfully, and if you're winning souls to Jesus on a consistent basis. I don't know how you would fall away from the faith while you're actively engaged in doing the things Jesus commanded you to do. I don't know how you would do it. I don't know how it would happen. I think those are going to be the people that stay on fire until the end, that persevere to the end. Those that endure to the end shall be saved. Those to me are going to be the people that will, uh, that will do what they're uh, called to do. And, and of course, we're going to be those people in Jesus' name. I'm going to be that person. Make up in your mind, I will be that person in Jesus' name. Number three, third question you got to ask yourself if you're going to stay on fire for God. The third question is this, who am I around? Who am I around? That's the third question. First question, where's my love? Second question, where's my dedication? Third question, who am I around? put that one in number three who am I around who do I allow to be in my life who do I allow to influence me to speak to me who, who who am I making up as my close circle of friends you know they've done studies where they've now claimed that you will become the average of the five people that you hang around the most you will become the average that's why did you ever notice that people that have friends? people that have friends, normally those people work the same types of jobs, drive the same types of cars, live in the same types of neighborhoods. You you know what I mean by that? You don't normally see people that live like in a trailer park, hanging out with people that live in mansions. It's just not common. You don't see it. You don't normally see that. Um, you don't normally see like CEOs hanging out with people that flip burgers at Burger King. You know what I mean? It's like the people that flip burgers make friends with other people that flip burgers. CEOs make friends with other CEOs. It's normally that are people in your in your realm. So you want to make friends with people that are where you want to go. And you want to be around. I have a friend that's that's a board member in our ministry. And he's very smart. And one of the things that he does as he's a businessman is that he'll just have lunch with older businessmen. And just sit there and not talk. And he'll just listen and eat his lunch. And listen to how they talk. Because they are multi, 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 multi millionaires. And that's where he wants to go. So instead of going in there and just running his mouth and and saying everything he knows. He just sits there quietly and eats his lunch. But has made up his mind to surround himself with people that are far beyond where he is. But where he wants to go. So that he can hear their wisdom. That he can learn what they know. See, the only thing that differentiates you from somebody else that's at a higher level is knowledge and discipline and possibly opportunity, knowledge, discipline, and opportunity. Those are the only three, three things that really separate you from somebody else at a higher level than you're at knowledge, discipline, and opportunity. And so I want you to get this now. Who am I around? Am I spending the majority of my time with unbelievers because the Bible says, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever for what partnership can light have with darkness or does Christ have, uh, with Belial? What, what partnership is there? They don't have any partnership. So why would I, someone who wants to please the Lord with my life, somebody that wants to continue to excel in the kingdom? Why would I choose to spend the majority of my time with people that don't even serve Jesus? Makes no sense. It makes no sense whatsoever. How can two walk together unless they be agreed, the Bible says. Well, I don't have an a, a agreement with them. I made of. you know why people do it for the most part? Well, I've known them for a long time. You know, I've known them since high school. And they've just been, who cares? They don't have any desire to do what you're doing. They don't care about serving the Lord. They don't care about pleasing God with their life. They don't give a crap. So why should you care about keeping that relationship around? When the most important thing in your life is pleasing God with your life. So why would I care? So, well, I've known him for so long. So what? You'll have new friends that you'll meet that are on the same path as you, that do wanna please the Lord, that do wanna obey the word of God. Why would I want constant tension in my life because I've connected with people that don't even wanna serve God? I don't want that. I don't want that. So I'm not gonna be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Hallelujah. That's right, Amy. They corrupt good character. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so the key is I've got to discern who's around me and I've got to limit some people's access. And then I have to uh, make sure that I'm pursuing other relationships that are going to help me live a holy life, live a generous life, live a dedicated life. You see, the things you want to do that will, you know, if you're a person that wants to read the Bible on a daily basis, don't hang around people that talk about, eh, it's not that important to read the Bible. I've read it. I know what's in it. Now, don't hang around those people that talk about prayer like that. Well, I don't know. There are people getting too much on prayer. I think people are hyper prayer. You know, don't. Why would you want to spend time with people that belittle the things that you want to dedicate your life to? It's foolish. It's foolish. And you're not going to influence them. They're going to influence you. So instead, find people that are headed in the same direction with the same fire and link up with them link up with them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then finally, the fourth question that you need to ask yourself that that's right. Denise, Denise said, it's not just unbelievers, but even other Christians who are not actively pursuing God. It's exactly right. There are other Christians that don't care. They are the ones that are in danger of growing cold. They're the ones that are in danger of falling away. I don't, I don't want to fall away. I don't want to grow cold. I want to stay hot. So what am I going to do? Hang with people that are headed that direction. Number four. Number four. Not, I'm not sure where Terrell's going, but impartation comes with assassination. We're going to break that one down. Uh, number four, the fourth question that you want to ask. And I think I know where you're going with that, where you have to, you have to bring an end to certain relationships. Um, the fourth question, where is my treasure? Where's my treasure? Where is my treasure? The Bible says where my treasure is, there will my heart be also where my treasure is. There will my heart be also right where my treasure is. There will my heart be also. So that's why you have to uh, ask the question, where is my treasure? What have I placed my treasure in or on? That's why when you apply one of those dedicated principles, giving, when you allow yourself to become a faithful giver, what are you doing? Attaching your treasure to the kingdom of God. Notice what that does. I've attached my treasure. I am a generous sower. I am a generous giver. What am I doing? Attaching my treasure to God's kingdom. And where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. Hallelujah. Where my treasure is, there will my heart be also. And so what point am I trying to make? That where your treasure is located, that's where your focus is going to be. That's where your heart is going to be. That's where your desire is going to be. And so, uh, for example, I I, uh, mentioned it earlier. Why? Would God bless you with a boat if he knows that now that you've got that boat, you're just going to be out on the lake every Sunday instead of in the house of God? Why would he bless you with something that would take you further from him? He doesn't want to do that. And so the question is, what am I, what am I dumping my life into? You know, you're never going to find somebody that's walking down the street decked out you know, in, in in whatever sports team gear that you can have, you know, let's say for example, New York Yankees, because a lot of people know that team. They got a New York Yankees hat. They got a New York Yankees jersey. You know, they got New York. I mean, they've got the same color. You know, so they've matched their shoes. Everything else. They, you just always see them wearing Yankees gear. You finally talk to them and say, "Hey, so you really like the Yankees?" i like, "Man, I don't really care about them that much." <laughs> it's like you have every hat that's ever been put out. You ha- you have every coat. You have every jersey. You know, you're always talking about their stats. Well, what's the deal? They've invested the treasure of their time and money into not, not just Yankees gear, but spent time on the web looking at, looking at, well, what is, looking at stats, watching Sports Center, looking at what's going on with the team, the schedule, who they've got, who they signed, who they released, all those different things. You're not going to spend all that time and dedication and money even on something that you don't care about. Your treasure is going into where your heart is. Your treasure is going into where your heart is. So notice this. You've got to ask yourself, where's my treasure? If I'm not where I want to be, I need to start redirecting my treasure. I need to start redirecting my treasure and put value on things that I want to value. Put value on things that I want my heart to be on the kingdom of God. I was, I was listening to a pastor tell a story about, um, a person in his church that he had counseled and, um, the, the person came into them and said, pastor, you need to help me. I don't love my wife anymore. I'm not in love with her. I don't love her. I, I, I want, I want to leave her. He said, what should I do? Pastor. And the pastor said, go home and love her. And the dude was confused. He's like, well, I just got done telling you. I don't love her anymore. What, what should I, he said, no, I'm telling you go home and love her. So what does that mean? It means Go home, as we said at the beginning of this video, and take the actions of love. You may not feel it, but put your treasure, direct your treasure somewhere, direct your time, direct your money, direct your your affection, direct it somewhere. See that? Go home and love her. What does that mean? Take the actions of love. Do you even know how your husband or wife, do you even know how they feel loved? Meaning, do you know what things actually make them feel like they've received love? Most people don't. Most people don't know even how their husband or wife see love or receive it. Is it the giving of gifts? Is that the, the way they receive love? Is it quality time? Is that how they receive love? Is it physical touch, right? Is it acts of service? You know, you go through these different things. How do they feel loved? Because you might have a, a wife that, uh, you know, she, she's looking for physical touch. She's looking for physical touch, affection that way, physically, and you just keep buying gifts. Well, she doesn't feel loved through gift giving. That's not her love language. She enjoys a hug. She wants to be kissed. She wants to be, you know, uh, what, words of affirmation. She wants to be told she's beautiful. She wants to be told she's the best, whatever. So you have to learn that. Where, where's my treasure going? I'm redirecting my treasure. I got to learn. You know, how does your husband feel loved? Does he feel loved by acts of service? You did something, you cleaned the house. You made a great dinner that he loves, whatever it is. People need to learn to redirect their treasure and to put it in action, put it into practice. People don't even know how to do that. And as a result, people are missing out. So he told this man, go home and love your wife. What does that mean? Take actions that make her feel loved, right? Luenda said, take out the garbage. Yeah, take the actions. Take the corresponding actions that prove the love. Same things that need to be done in our life. Is there an area where we feel like we're growing cold? Take corresponding actions. Put your treasure on it. Put your treasure on it. And and ask yourself, if if I feel like there's an area that's lagging, how can I redirect my treasure so that my heart will be there also? Hallelujah. So that my heart will be there also. Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, when he first started in the ministry, had a pastor that for some reason stopped. He didn't like him, and he was a, a well-known pastor, and every time Dr. Rodney Howard Brown would get a meeting somewhere, this pastor would call the pastor that booked Dr. Rodney and tell him, you don't need to have him. His ministry's not valid, and he'd go through all these things and try to get Dr. Rodney Howard Brown's meetings canceled. And so what did he do? Well, did Dr. Rodney want to fall into bitterness? No. Did he want him to fall into a place where he uh, hated his brother? No. So he said, what, what is it that I can do? And so he made up his mind. Every time I get word that this pastor's done this, I'm gonna send the pastor a gift basket, a fruit basket. And he said, I was sending fruit baskets left and right. And he was and he was what was he doing? He was putting his treasure there. So why? So that his heart would be there also. I made up my mind, I'm never gonna be bitter, I'm never gonna hold a grudge, I'm never gonna hate my brother. I'm never going to allow myself to become so offended that I, I move out of the love of God. So what did he do? Notice he put his treasure on it. He put his treasure on it because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'm sure at the early part of his ministry, you know, as he tells the story, you know, people would say, Hey, if you're ever coming through town, give me a call. He'd be like, I'm coming through town tomorrow. (laughs) You know, I need a meeting. I don't have anywhere to preach. And he was trying to take care of a family and he had, uh, I'm sure he's believing for finances. So he took, even though he was still believing for finances, he took the finances he did have and sent another fruit basket. Why? Because I made up my mind. I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to get out of love. I'm not going to grow bitter. I'm not going to get into hate. I'm going to put my treasure on it. So guess what? My heart's going to be there too. Let me tell you something. It's very hard for you to gossip about somebody that you just spent an hour praying for. It's hard for you to talk about somebody behind their back when you just invested an hour of your day praying for that person, what did you just do? Put your treasure on it. You put your treasure on them. What is your treasure? Your time is the most valuable asset that you have. And you just put your treasure on that person and prayed for them for an hour. It's going to be hard to talk about somebody behind their back when you've been praying for them. When you've been interceding for them, asking God to bless their family, asking God to bless their children, asking God to bless the work of their hands. It's going to be very hard. It's going to be very hard when you've done that. See? And so it's so important that we answer these questions. Number one, where's my love? Number two, where is my dedication? Number three, who am I around? Number four, where's my treasure? I am telling you, If you will just answer these four questions in your life, you cannot and will not grow cold. You cannot and will not fall away. You cannot and will not become lukewarm and be spewed out of God's mouth. That will not be your story in Jesus' name. It cannot be your story. And and what we need in these final moments of time are people that will not compromise the truth of God's word, that will not compromise the principles that God has given us. And I'm telling you that there is an antichrist agenda at work in this world right now to silence Christians, to make them feel ashamed of what they believe, to make them feel like they're bigots, to make them feel like that they don't have any tolerance for diversity. And I'm telling you, it's a lie from the pit of hell. You don't change what God's word teaches just because the culture changed. Foolishness. So we need strong men and women like the Victory Tribe that will stand up and not compromise So what's it gonna take? People that will never fall away, people that won't grow cold or get lukewarm. And I want you to by faith, put it in the comments in all caps, that is me in Jesus name, that is me. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every faithful member of this Victory Tribe. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for their faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done in them already. But I ask you to lift us up today. Strengthen us for a new level of dedication. Strengthen us for a new level. Being on fire in the kingdom. More fruit production than we've ever had in Jesus' name. More souls saved than we've ever seen in Jesus' name. Lord, we'll stand for what is true. We'll stand against what is unholy, unrighteous, what is false, what is anti-Christ. We stand against it wholeheartedly. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mighty, inerrant, inspired word. We thank you there's nothing above it. Your word declares that you've exalted your word above your name. And so we thank you today for that mighty word of God. We love you with all our hearts, Lord. Use us mightily in these final moments of time. As the songwriter wrote, Lord, we we pray that same lyric. Whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Don't do it without me. In Jesus' name, Lord, whatever you're doing in this season, don't do it without me. Make me a part of this end time move of your spirit. In Jesus' wonderful name, we thank you and we give you praise, amen. If you believe it, throw some fire in the comments section and we're gonna give you an opportunity to sow seed today, to partner with this ministry. Maybe you're watching, maybe you're new to this channel and you've not seen all that we're doing in the kingdom but my wife Carolyn and I are preaching the gospel full time around this nation and in other nations and uh we're not only doing that with with media like like you're watching right now we're holding live crusades not only that we're preaching on television in 180 plus nations of the world every single week yesterday my phone was going off again with new salvations in other countries God's moving through these things. We're feeding the hungry, blessing the poor, so much that we're doing to reach the lost in these final moments of time. I made up my mind, I'm not going to sit back and put life on cruise control. We're going after the lost in these last days. So let me ask you, what is it that you could do on a monthly basis to stand with Carolyn and me, become a part of the Victory Tribe, people that pray for us every week, and people that will stand with us and sow something financially every month. And I know everybody's at a different place. We've had people that have signed up to sow at $1,000 a month, but there's others that said, Brother Ted, all I can do right now is $50 a month. Do what you can do. Do what the Lord tells you to do, and you'll be abundantly blessed. And if you'd like to stand with us as part of the Victory Tribe and sow monthly into this ministry, go to miracleword.com. And when you click on the partner page, you can fill out the form, stand with us and sow something every month and say, I'm going to believe that this generation will be saved before it's too late. This generation will be saved before it's too late. And then of course, when you go to that give page on our website, there are multiple ways that you can sow seed. You can do it with credit card or debit card. But as you see on the screen, there are digital ways, PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, Zelle, uh, we even will receive wire transfers, cryptocurrency now. There's many different ways you can sow seed, but do what the Lord has instructed you to do and watch what takes place uh, when you do. But let me, let me say this, for those that are uh, standing with us in the month of July, uh, I'm going to do this for anybody that is sowing into this ministry. Uh, we have Brother Kenneth Hagin's book, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. And I'm going to send that to anybody that sows a seed of any kind in the month of July. And if you'd like to receive it after you've sown, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer to claim that book. And those that are sowing at $250 or more, we're going to include E.W. Kenyon's book, The Blood Covenant. And then of course, for those that are sowing $1,000 or more, we're we're putting in with that the net study Bible with 60,000 translator's notes. This is our way of saying thank you for standing with us uh, as we're preaching the gospel. And for those of you that are part of the Victory Tribe, one of the things that I want you to know about that I'm very excited about is the upcoming uh, Victory Tribe Homecoming Weekend, which is taking place in Allentown, Pennsylvania, October the 28th and 29th. That's a Friday night and a Saturday afternoon. Friday night we'll have a revival service at Central Assembly of God in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And Saturday, we're going to be having a partner uh, brunch slash luncheon, and we've got some huge announcements to share with you. There's still time to become a partner with this ministry, and uh, we want to invite you to come and stand with us. And uh, I cannot wait to tell you what God's doing with Miracle Word. Uh, Carolyn and I are so excited. I could run around this room where I'm broadcasting right now. I'm that excited about it. And so we want to see you there, but thank you. I want to say thank you to everybody that is standing with us in partnership. Maybe you feel to sow a one time seed. Maybe you feel like, you know, today I just feel in my heart to sow something into this ministry. Do it. You can go to miracleword.com, do it right there on the website. And I say a massive thank you to everybody that's standing with us and believing God for uh, revival before Jesus comes. I'll be back again uh, in the morning. And again, we're live tonight, seven o'clock under the tent. We wanna see you there. Um, I'm so excited with what God's doing. People are hungry, man. People are hungry. Miracles are taking place. Tonight, my father's gonna lay hands on everybody that comes that wants to receive prayer. So don't miss it. We're believing God for miracles to take place tonight. If you're far away and you can't get here, you can watch it online. Uh, Search my father's platform, Ted Shuttlesworth. Faith Alive, on YouTube and Facebook. We want you to tune in and watch what God's doing in Scranton, Pennsylvania. I love you. I'm going to throw it over to Carolyn to tell you about the new book, and I'll see you again in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.